I think it was about 2006, uh, and we had been at this for about 17 or 18 years, at this experiment that we call Seacoast Church. And uh, God had blessed us. It, it had been good. There, a lot of life change, a lot of growth. But I was feeling uh, just dry inside. And I felt like our, our gatherings were, uh, were somewhat dry. And that probably was just a reflection of me. Uh, but it sent me on a journey uh, to kind of figure out what, how do I experience the presence and power of God in a very real way? And how do we do it together? How do we process what God is doing uh, in us during the preaching of the word and the reading of the word. And I went on my own personal journey of, God, where, how do we experience your, your presence and your power? Um, I went to a monastery in Scotland. Long story, won't get into it. Went to a little monastery and saw, saw a cross in a, in a corner in a desolate place. And, and I sensed the presence and power of, of God there. I went uh, to... Um, a Catholic cathedral that had long since ceased to function as a church uh, in, in France. And yet there were some candles and I went over to the candles and I, I sensed that there was something going on there. Um, I went to a friend's um, revival meeting in, here in the United States and they called people forward. And I went forward to be prayed for and, and there was a sense of the presence and power of Jesus there. I went to an Anglican church and a friend of mine and received communion and there was something about it. There was a, a sense of the presence and power of Jesus there. And so I remember telling everybody, you wanna be here on such and such a Sunday, I think it was Father's Day in 2006. And I said, you wanna be, be there because some things are gonna change here. And you need to understand, we never announce change at Seacoast because it makes you know, about 65% of the people uh, irritated because they, they kind of like the way things are. And so, but I said, it's going to be changed. So we had a big crowd, a lot of people came and, um, and we laid out uh, the response time that we do now. And we looked at Isaiah and how Isaiah talks about the fact that oftentimes in our worship, our lips are worshiping God, but our hearts are far from it. And I did a message on that and talked about the fact that I thought God wanted to astound us with his presence um, during our times of worship, both before and after uh, the message. And so we changed things that week and we've been doing it in a similar way for uh, how many ever years that we've been in existence since then, probably more uh, since then than even before uh, we made that change. And what I've noticed is that God meets us in individual ways every weekend during our response time here at Seacoast. We're able to process our emotions, whether that's at a cross or in lighting candles as intercessory prayer for friends, or it's uh, being anointed with oil and prayed over by prayer teams and elders, or it's giving as a part of our worship. Uh, just so many ways uh, on the weekend, as we receive communion together, we experience the presence and power of Jesus. We're going to uh, start a series over the next few weeks where we're going to explore 
uh, how we respond to God, both individually and collectively as a church. And this morning, it's my privilege to introduce our speaker the first week, Andy Andrews. Uh, Andy uh, has become a friend. Her and her husband, Paul, uh, moved here from New York City. Andy speaks all over the world uh, to women's conferences, to conferences, to churches. And uh, they're one of ours. They are a part of our family, part of our church family here. And uh, she's going to kick off our series. And I can't think of anyone uh, better to do that than Andy Andrews. So would you join me? Uh, Seacoast and giving a warm, warm welcome to Andy as she comes and shares the word today. Good morning. Oh man, I just want to pray. Holy Spirit, would you just move? We have come expectant and we are leaning in. Like Pastor Greg said, we want to experience your presence and your power. So would you take this word and do what I cannot do? Would you take it and divide it amongst all of us? Speak to us what you want to say. We are leaning in. We are listening. We want more of you. So have your way this morning in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Oh my gosh, good morning. I'm so excited to be here as per usual. I love this church, and I love that we are family. And I remember our first time coming to church here. I love these two questions, the two big questions that we ask every single week. What is God saying to you, and what are you gonna do about it? Because a lot of times, what do we do? We're just hearers of the word, we don't receive it. We're like, oh, good message, that was great. But seriously, what are we gonna do about the revelation, what we just heard with the word that God gave us? These are important questions. And you know, we pastored a church in New York City for 12 years and didn't do anything that powerful. I was like, what was wrong with us that we didn't ask this question and cause people to respond to the word? So when we moved here and got to be a part of this church, I remember Jenna asked me to come and sit up front with her. And I was like, that's overwhelming, but sure, let's do it. And I remember sitting up there next to her when it came to that moment in the service, which, like I said, I had never seen this before, pastoring and traveling all around and preaching in different spaces and places. Never had I seen something like this, where we asked this question, what is God saying to you and what are you going to do about it? And I remember when they asked that question, I like pulled out my journal and I started crying. I was like, I will do whatever you want me to do, Lord. And then I looked up and people are getting up and going to the cross and coming forward and getting prayer and crying out to God and going and moving their hearts and lighting a candle and praying for somebody else and going to the cross. And I was like, what is this magical place? It's the church and it is beautiful. I'm so grateful that we get to be a part of it. And I want to say this to you today. I'm going to throw out a little challenge right at the beginning. As we finish, I want you to know as I am done speaking up here, the service is not over. We are going to lean in and worship. And trust me, this time of worship, it's just like, you just take off into flight or you will watch me over here kicking and like enjoying the presence of God. Can I encourage you, if you normally leave after the message is over, I want to ask you to stay today to do something maybe that feels uncomfortable. Don't move. Your kids are going to be fine. The traffic, who really cares? Hang around and talk to more people. Stay engaged in the presence of God. Lean in and respond to his goodness. Yeah. Oh, all right. Yes. Amen. (laughs) But seriously, I want to ask you a question that I want you to ponder right where you're sitting. Do you remember what it was like to be lost? 
before you were found by Jesus? Do you remember that feeling and what it was like wandering and searching for what is true? You know, we had this neighbor uh, in Brooklyn. His name was Joey. Oh, Joey. He lived, at one time, we lived in the same building. He was on the top floor. He was actually born in that building, I think in the 1940s. We lived in this old Italian neighborhood. He was like the only Irishman and the only Irish family born in that neighborhood. And Joey could tell us good stories about what used to go down in our old mafia neighborhood. Well, I mean, we had this beautiful thing that we would watch happen almost every single day where our youngest, Sam, would sit on the stoop with Joey. I think we've got a picture of Sam and Joey this is Joey at our dinner table in Brooklyn, and Sam and Joey had this special bond. Sam was this bridge builder to the gospel. He would sit on the front stoop, on the porch, if you will, and they would just converse about everything and anything, and Sam often told Joey about Jesus, would invite him to church. Joey always said no until one day Joey decided he would come on Easter Sunday, and Joey sat right in the front middle, and I remember when I gave the response to ask anybody if they wanted to give their lives to Jesus, Joey he looked me in the eyes and he was like, I do. Joey gave his life to Jesus and it was just this beautiful story that unfolded. And um, I know we have a few other pictures of Paul and I with Joey after Thanksgiving. And, um, but then Joey used to write these letters to Sam. So we either lived in the same building or when we moved, we were just right around the corner. But Joey would write these letters, he would put a stamp on them, and he would post them to Sam. And every single time he got a letter, there was money in it or something special that Joey would share with him. So when we moved here from New York, Joey was our family and is still our family. But the thing was, is my husband would call him every single day. My husband is Joey's healthcare proxy. And he would write letters to Sam every week. But then there came this point where the letters ceased. And we couldn't get a hold of him on the phone. And we grew concerned. And we were wondering what happened to Joey. So my husband started calling the guy that owned Ace Hardware, calling the neighbors, asking them to see what happened, come to find out that the neighbors had called the ambulance for Joey because he hadn't come out of his apartment in a while. He was checked into a hospital. Nobody knew where. So my husband got on the phone and called over 50 hospitals, healthcare facilities, and nursing homes until we got this text in our family group chat which said, I found Joey. And we were all crying and freaking out and celebrating and so glad. And I think we even have this picture of Paul finding Joey. He flew up and he looked so different. It was really hard to see. But Paul flew up and he found Joey, printed out a picture of our family, put it on his side table, looked at all the nurses and said, you call me for everything. He gets a lot of phone calls now, but we found Joey. And I realized even in this story, what was lost was found. And it reminded me, wow, at the lengths that Jesus has gone through, gone to and through actually for us. I looked at my husband being this imperfect man and what it reflected to me was the heart of Christ and his love for us to do whatever it takes to find us when we're lost. So do you remember? Do you remember When you received this profound love, do you remember what it felt like to be lost and then found? Maybe you're wandering in this room today, longing to be truly seen. Maybe you have lost the joy of your salvation, and I pray that that is restored today. But the beauty of the cross, what does the cross allow us to do? The cross allows us to remember. 
cross allows us to remember. Remember what Christ has done for us. Remember what it was like to be lost and then found. We remember once again the joy of our salvation. I want to read to you the key scripture from today, and it's out of Colossians 1, 15 through 20. I would encourage you to go read the whole book of Colossians. It is phenomenal. And I was reading Colossians 1 this morning and letting it wash over me. But let me read this part of it to you. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all of creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all of creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. I mean... Anybody else like get very excited when they read the word? I just, this is why I do this all the time. I just feel it, you know. Our uh, church held this tenebrae service on Good Friday. And I don't know if you were able to be there, but if you were, I mean, you know what I'm talking about. I was wearing bright colors. I totally should have worn black. I didn't know. (laughs) And when I walked in a Good Friday service, this ancient Good Friday service that in a way is a funeral service for Jesus. And it was walking through his last moments from the Last Supper to his death on the cross. The death of Jesus hit home for me in a new way at that service. Our Jesus, my Jesus, was betrayed and wrongly arrested and abandoned by his friends, wrongly accused, mocked, and ultimately crucified and then laid alone in a tomb. As we all walked out of that service, uh, the silence was palpable. We didn't talk. We didn't speak. We walked out in silence, and it felt more personal. As I remembered the death of Jesus on this cross where he finished the work for our lives, the death of Jesus for my sin, the death of Jesus for my brokenness, for my wretchedness, a reality of what he endured for me, for us. And it made his resurrection all that more powerful. Like all the dancing on Sunday was like a lot more because we remembered what he did for us. So today, maybe for you in response time, take a moment and go to the cross and remember what he has done for you. And maybe just say thank you. Don't fold up the note. Just write Thank you. And you can write what you're thankful for and just leave it open on the cross so we can proclaim what we are thankful for. Or maybe, maybe you just need to remember today what it was like to be lost and then found again. As I wrote this message and I leaned into the cross, I did remember for myself what it was like to be lost and then found again. Growing up, we were in this very broken, controlling church, and my parents were hurt so deeply and walking through so much, and I just remember being in this place where I was a discerner and a feeler, and I remember going, you know what? 
if this is God and this is the church, then I want nothing to do with this. So in my young teenage years, I decided to just turn my back on God and lived a completely promiscuous wild life, trying anything and everything. And I was quite literally looking for love in all the wrong places. Anyone else do that as well? And then realize, wow, none of this works. I went away to college, and in my first year at UW, my sister was there too. And she would show up every single Sunday when I was hung over and in bed. She'd be like, we're going to church. And I'm like, yeah. As I worship Jesus, totally hung over. I'm like, why are you here again? She would also slip like these worship CDs into uh, my room and I would pretend I didn't care and that I hated that she left them for me. But guess what I would do? As I went to bed at night, I would put those CDs on in my big CD player and I would weep and cry myself to sleep as worship washed over me. Then I went home that summer and my parents had left that controlling church environment. And I remember my dad saying, hey, Andy, Uh, We're going to church. I was like, no, we're not. He said, yes, we are. And I said, okay, I will come with you. I remember walking into that place. And after the service was over, they started to sing this song. Anybody remember Delirious? I could sing of your love forever. And as those words washed over, over me, I just started weeping. I was like, this, this is the love that I've been looking for my whole life. And I remember when the the altar call was given, they said, raise your hand if you want to give your life to Jesus. I ran to the front and they were like, security. No, I'm just kidding. But I I ran to the front because I was like, this is like, this is it. This is what I have been looking for. Give it to me. Give it all to me. And I was radically and deeply saved. This profound love hit me when I didn't deserve it. When I was in my sin in Romans 5, 6 through 8 says this. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. I believe that in this place that some of you, maybe for the first time, you need to receive Christ's profound, ridiculous, amazing love. You do not have to get it all together to receive this love. Today, you can turn your back on your ways and turn to Jesus Christ and be born again. And we're going to pray for that at the end of the service. But some of you, you're like, well, I've been saved for a long time and I'm so meh about God. I haven't felt his love. I haven't received that. I don't understand why you want to dance and kick all the time. Boo. Well, when I was pregnant with my daughter, my third child, three kids under the age of three, I had two little toddlers. I couldn't believe I was pregnant again. I was like, I love you, husband. Please go away. And I... (laughs) I was working in the church. I was working so hard, trying to take care of my little toddlers, working full time, preaching, leading, doing all the things, trying to hold it all together. My past was coming up. I was dealing with issues in my heart. All of these things were swirling around me. And then I got shingles. I am huge and pregnant and I have shingles. And I was like, well, I guess I can't go to work today. So I remember just laying in bed, sobbing with the curtains closed, being like, God, where are you? I have read the word. I have been a good Christian. I'm doing all the right things. I keep showing up, but I don't feel your love or know your love right now. Where are you? In that moment while I was laying there, someone sent me this song 
called He Loves Us. And I'm going to tell you, don't leave the service because it's the first song we're going to sing. It is this beautiful, poetic song that I want you to just sit and soak in His wild love for you in response time. Because as that chorus washed over me, He loves us. Oh, how He loves us. Oh, how He loves us. I was like, why am I a wreck and why do you still love me? But some of you, you need to receive a new revelation of his deep and wild love for you. So I pray that you would remain in your seat, that your response, gosh, when we receive a love like this, this is why we do high kicks because wow, he loves us. Oh my gosh. I can't believe he so deeply loves us. So I pray that some of you would receive a fresh revelation today. Go to the cross and receive it. Come to the front, receive prayer, receive his great love. Sit in worship, receive his love. Here's another thing we have to understand is when we receive such wild love and forgiveness, it also allows us to forgive ourselves. You know, so often we're asking, how do I forgive myself? Do you know that forgive yourself is Googled Uh, 18,000 times per month, 18,000 times. People are going, how do I forgive myself? They're only asking how to forgive someone else 6,600 times and really only asking, will God forgive me 1,300 times? Our life is all about ourself. Do you know why? Because when shame comes, when self-condemnation comes, when this thing in our brain keeps going over and over and over again, we're just thinking about ourselves. going, I have to forgive myself, but I wanna tell you something. You cannot forgive yourself without first receiving the forgiveness and love of Jesus Christ. It's actually impossible. So if you're wondering, how do I forgive myself from all this stuff that I've done? Receive his forgiveness first and then boom, you're forgiven. You know, if you take out a mortgage, right? Get a loan from the bank. You have to pay that off every single month, right? That payment, you're paying off a debt one month at a time, and then when the final payment is coming in, I mean, I think we should all go in person, wave the check in the air, run up to everyone, say, I am paying off my debt, right? You pay it off, you're like, whew, I own the house now. Here's the deal. It would be really weird if we kept going to the bank going, I know, (laughs) I know I paid off my debt, but I just kind of keep wanting to give you lots and lots of money and pay off my debt some more. That's ridiculous. We would never do that, but it's what we do in our Christianity. We're deeply forgiven and we're like, oh my gosh, what do I do? How do I receive more forgiveness? How do I forgive myself? Jesus paid it in full. It is done. It is finished. You just need to receive his love. Receive it completely. Receive it fully. He is so, so good. And I pray that today we will realize that when we receive his forgiveness, we are enabled to forgive ourselves because Colossians 2, 13 through 15 says this, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them triumphing over the cross, uh, over them by the cross. I mean, this is pretty wild, isn't it? 
And some of us today, practically during response time, I would encourage you to go to the cross. Go to the cross and take those debts that you don't think are paid yet, but they are paid in full if you have received Jesus, and put them on there to remind yourself, no, that debt was paid. It is paid in full. Amen? Amen. So here is the deal. Once we come to terms with the wild depths of our forgiveness and we receive that, and we understand how truly loved we are, then what happens is we begin to be able to reconcile and forgive others because we are loved so deeply. It says that we love because he first loved us. The only ability we have to reconcile with another and go to the cross is when we realize that we are loved so deeply. We are empowered to reconcile with others. I think it's so interesting that while Jesus was on the cross, being crucified and dying for the people that were crucifying, what did he say? He said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. They know not what they do. But do you know what I usually do? When the Lord's like, hey, forgive them, I'm like, Father, forgive them for they totally know what they're doing. Rude, right? Like my heart, I wanna have a heart like Jesus where I can get to a place, but here's the deal. This is what we have to remember. Deceived people don't know that they're deceived and hurt and broken people really do hurt and break other people. So therefore, when we are hurt and broken by another or betrayed by another, we get to choose what we're gonna do with that. Will we reconcile things with God and reconcile things with one another? What will we do with it? Will we say things and allow a root of bitterness and offense to creep into our heart? Or will we say, crucify him? Or no, Father, forgive them. We get to choose. Some of us today actually need to make amends on the cross and forgive people that have hurt us and brought brokenness. We need to reconcile some things. And maybe it's not a safe relationship, so you can't have a conversation with them. But I want to say to you, you are empowered to go to the cross today and reconcile some things. And here's the last scripture I want to share with you before we begin to bring this to a close. I was in a space where there was some slander and lies and utter hatred coming my way. And I was so broken by it. It hurt so deeply. And I was in the Gospel of Luke, reading Luke 6, part of the Sermon on the Mount, And then I saw these words. You know when you read the word and all of a sudden something hits you across the face? And it was the words of Jesus that said this. These words. It said, to those who are listening. To those who are listening. I felt like the Holy Spirit said, hey, Andy, are you listening? Because guess what? A lot of people read my word. They don't listen and they don't do. They just read it. So, Andy, are you listening? And I was like, "Uh, yes. But then I continue to read. What does it say? To those who are listening, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. I've got a whole lot of other plans besides that scripture. Anybody else? But to those of us who are listening, we remember, we receive, and we choose to reconcile with others because God has reconciled us. So therefore, we will reconcile with others. We have been made a people of peace because we have received his peace. Therefore, we can be at peace and we can make peace with one another. Guess what? You cannot do Luke 6. You cannot bless those who curse you and pray for those who hate you. You can't do that if you have not received this profound love. It's actually impossible. 
So today I pray that you will receive it. You will receive it, but you'll choose to do hard things. You'll choose to have hard conversations. You'll choose to forgive and let them go. You'll choose to reconcile between God and man. And if they are unsafe people to be around, just put it on the cross and release them. Be free. Reconcile things between you and God. And I think about this all the time. I'm like, gosh, do I really know how powerful God is? Do I really understand how powerful all that was done on this cross and was finished on this cross? Do I really get it? Oh man, I pray that revelation is released in this place today. If you are struggling, that you will be gutted and know deeply, oh, that's what he's done for me. He's so good. He is so good. And so we're about to close. And before we step into response time, I'm going to ask for those that are not following Jesus. If you don't have a relationship with him, I would love to pray with you right where you are at our other campuses. And those of you that are watching online, I want to pray for you. If you are not following Jesus, I am going to ask you to give the greatest response that you can give in your life. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No man, no woman comes to the Father except through me, except through the finished work on the cross and my resurrection. But so often, what are we doing? We're trying to live life our own way. We're hashtagging our own truth. We're looking for the meaning of life, and Jesus is like, hi, I am all of them. Some of you have been looking for love everywhere, and it is not working You are sleeping around. You are broken. You're looking for it in your work. And nothing is fixing the pain. It's not. It is only this wild love that gave everything that comes in and brings healing and restoration and resurrection. But you have to choose to turn from your ways and turn to him. So this morning, all over this place, bow your heads with me and close your eyes. And if you are a believer, I'm going to ask you to pray right now. But in a moment, what I'm going to do is those of you who are going, I want to follow Jesus today. Like when I was 19 and walked into that room and it said, I could sing of your love forever. It's hitting you. You want to sing of his love forever. And if that is what you want, you want to turn from your way and turn to him and receive the finished work on the cross right where you're sitting at the count of three. I'm just going to ask you to shoot your hand up in the air boldly and say, I want to follow Jesus. So at the count of three, right where you are, I want you to say, it is me today. I am following Jesus. One, two, three, lift him up all over this place. Come on, Jesus. Lift him up boldly. There's hands going up everywhere. Come on. Amen. Amen. Oh my gosh. Okay, so we're all gonna pray a prayer together. And this prayer is a miracle. You are born again. Your life is beginning anew today as you receive his love, especially those of you that raised your hand online at our campuses. I want you to repeat this prayer after me, but also the rest of the family, we're gonna pray with them. So repeat after me. Say, Father God, thank you for sending Jesus. I believe that you sent your one and only son to live a perfect, sinless life, to die in my place, and to rise again so that I could have eternal life. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for setting me free. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and transform me in your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, can we just celebrate? So good. If you gave your life to Jesus today, 
During response time, we're gonna have a prayer team up here. I'm gonna encourage you to be super bold and not be like, I'm not doing that, that sounds embarrassing. Hey, I'll become even more undignified than this. So get wild, like do something where you're like, I don't care what anyone thinks, I don't care, I don't care. I'm giving my life to Jesus. I would say run up here, get prayer, lean in, say I want Jesus. We're gonna respond together. So what, what is God saying to you? And what are you gonna do about it? I'm not leaving, I'm not leaving, I'm staying in. That's right, that's what you're saying to yourself right now, yeah. Stay in, worship him. This song, he loves us, let it wash over you. Go to the cross. And what? Remember, receive, and reconcile. Go and light a candle for someone. Come receive prayer, take communion. But here's the deal. Christ's great love for us makes it so natural, doesn't it, to respond with gratitude. So let's respond together, amen? I'm excited, let's worship.